You are listening to the Bridge Community Church Podcast out of Warrington, Virginia. Our church exists to connect you to God, others, and the marketplace. For more information, you can visit us online at bridge4life.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you are blessed by today's message. And good morning, everybody. It is good to see everybody on this beautiful day and uh, so appreciate the Valley Forge team coming and ministering. They were here, yes, go ahead. They were here uh, Friday night for the uh, fall ball conference and they stayed again last night uh, for, for, uh, for, well, I guess an extended, continued fall ball. And, uh, and we asked them, hey, stay over and do worship for us. And so it's great to see up and coming worship leaders, amen? and what God's gonna be doing soon. Uh, very briefly, just kinda wanna let you know, Pastor Lisa and I will be going away for a couple weeks, and uh, so uh, we won't be here next Sunday, we'll be back the following. We're going somewhere where there's water, there's sand, and poor internet. How many understand that? So we may be slow to respond on a lot of stuff, uh, just so you are aware. Uh, but anyway, it's our time to get away and just, uh, I guess be normal for a couple weeks, you know? I've got, I've, I'm, take, I'm only taking one pair of pants and the rest are shorts. So uh, plan on kicking back and relaxing. But anyway, today we're gonna continue on uh, in the series called Piercing the Darkness. It's based on the book of Romans. We're going to read the passage again that we uh, did last week. So would everybody stand for the reading of the word and then I'll begin to expand on the direction of the message. But let's read Romans chapter 12, verses three through eight. Let's read. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Jesus, I thank you for your word, and as we study today, again, I pray for more than just academic information to fill our heads. I pray that we receive instruction from the Holy Spirit that shapes the motives, the character of our heart and our life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. The Lord bless you can be seated. So as we're going through the series, we're emphasizing subjects that Paul emphasizes in the book of Romans. So we're not necessarily going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're going by what I call topic by topic that he emphasizes. This is, uh, today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And if you've been a part of this series, you'll realize this is the third message. Now I've Third message on the Holy Spirit, we've talked, we've, this is the ninth message overall, okay? But 
Uh, there's a number of references to the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul references it 31 times inside the book of Romans. So there's a lot to cover um, and to emphasize and open our mind. And above and beyond all that, Paul speaks about the Holy Spirit about 125 times in all the books that he wrote. So I don't know how people who have a I'll say this, are kind of like, I don't know about all this Holy Spirit stuff. I'm like, man, can you imagine if Paul was your pastor? I mean, you talk about somebody who's beating the drum, you know, just in the book of Romans 31 times, everything he writes, 120. I mean, people would, people would be going, I just feel like that's all the guy talks about. You're right, that's about what his subject matter is. And so how people marginalize themselves from that today is I find somewhat interesting but it's avoiding a lot of the scripture. And so we're gonna delve into this a little bit further today as we look at this. So one of the comments that I've brushed, I didn't say it this way, but I have it up here. I've modified it a little bit. One of the things that you notice is during dark times, it can make us more sensitive to spirituality. Have you noticed that when people get into a crisis, they suddenly, whether they've been cultivating their faith or not, they have a tendency maybe to lean more towards it. They are saying, hey, I need God to help me. And one of the struggles people have is this. If you've been cultivating your faith along the way, you find that there's a new, I call it a stream, a strength that you can pull on. What's difficult is, is when you've been neglecting your faith and then you hit a dark time and you lean into it, sometimes people get disillusioned and disappointed because there's not as much there as they had hoped for. And I go, well, part of that is it's part of neglect, okay? Understanding that it's hard to have something there if I haven't been paying attention to it. Now, I believe God is merciful and gracious. Everybody with me? But sometimes we can lean into our faith in a way that we've not been cultivating it, and so we're disappointed. Like, I don't understand why people use this. I don't understand why it's not working. Well, it doesn't work that way. This is a relationship. This is, this is not like a card that you turn in and get something from God. This is a relationship, and so you've not, you've not been leaning into a relationship with God, and so it's not that God doesn't hear you. You're not hearing God because you've been neglecting his voice. As we look at this today, we, we see that Paul's starting to emphasize the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because, well, He's traveled Rome, he's seen Rome, and there's a lot of evil in Rome. And Paul even brushes up against the concept of evil spirits. That's why he's talking about a Holy Spirit. Let me just summarize it this way. Evil spirits have a supernatural presence that is manifested through evil deeds. We all know what a temptation is, right? Okay, the rest of you are so holy. <laughs> well, aren't you holy? <laughs> that I'm gonna to talk to the other seven of us who know what temptation is. Being tempted doesn't mean that you, that you are guilty. It just means you, how many know we just live in a fallen world? Temptation comes with it, okay? And so there are evil spirits that are trying to manifest, and the way they manifest is they try to prompt people to do evil deeds, Okay, that's what happens. So it doesn't mean that we're sinning because we get a prompting. We sin when we yield to it. Okay? Now, as followers of Christ, 
we start to understand that I need to ignore those urges and I actually need to pay attention more to the other perspective, which is, in contrast, the Holy Spirit's supernatural presence is manifested through good deeds, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. So I've said this before, I don't know why it is, we've, we've made a really good job making sure people understand what a sinful urge is and how not to give to it. And I've also found this, the best way to stay away from a sinful urge is to be yielding into the good urges. You know, if you're busy doing the good things, you sometimes find you just don't have room for the other stuff because you're too occupied doing the good and doing the right. And so Paul's talking about these gifts of the Spirit. And he has what I call a lot of good insight, some basic insight, some of the things I'm gonna share, some of you go, yeah, yeah, I knew that, I knew that's fine. But I hope I've, I've woven in some things that will help you to understand how the gifts of the Holy Spirit work and what they accomplish and what they do. No matter where you're at on the spectrum of the Holy Spirit, because I recognize, especially in Western, Western uh, culture the America, in America, there's this huge spectrum of, well, you know, I'll acknowledge it exists, but I'm just not sure for it's today. And then you go to the other extreme and there's everybody, I'm in and I'm immersed and baby, I'm, I mean, you know, you're just kinda like, how do you, how do you have a teaching that says, hey, come on, we need, we need to be unified on this. And I hope that this helps you wherever you're at on the spectrum. So let's begin, we're gonna go through five things. Ready? Number one, read it out loud. Our attitude and character interact with the spiritual gifts. Notice how he introduces this segment of scripture. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. What I want you to see here is Paul points out there is a potential downfall while operating in the gifts. And he says this, that potential downfalls your ego. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. You see, when God uses you, it's exhilarating, it's exciting, it's fun to be a part of his activity. But if you're not careful, you'll forget this is all designed to make him famous, not you. That this is designed to let his name be known, not necessarily your name. You see, when God uses people, we can sometimes see an opportunity to put ourselves out there. We've all seen people who've tried to hijack Christianity and make themselves famous. They hijack Christianity to revive their acting career. They hijack Christianity to revive their music career. And let me just say this. Christianity was never meant to resurrect your career. It was meant to resurrect your spirit that, that needs to be crucified and then resurrected again. It's designed to resurrect you and give you a new life. People sometimes get caught up in these giftings of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it, you can pick it up. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to be judgmental. But just understanding there is a pitfall when the gifts of the Spirit operate in a person, their ego 
can get out of whack. And so he says here, the first thing is this, you need to keep a check on yourself. By the way, if you have a relationship with Jesus that's meaningful, it's a lot easier to keep the ego in check. Now, here's the thing. I know some of you say, well, I don't understand why God just doesn't, why, why didn't he just shut it down? Why does he, why does he, he shouldn't use those people like that. I know, but you see, all he has is imperfect people to choose from. I mean, if suddenly we come up to, you got the, this perfect to be used in the giftings, like where would we all, basically none of us would be being used of God, right? And so it is a struggle from time to time when we see people go, something's not right. You're right, something's not right. Well, then why is God using them? I don't know. I do see the word grace in there. God just, God, listen to me. I even read in the New Old Testament that God used a donkey once. That would stretch your theology, right? It's like, why did he, why did he have to do I, I don't know. God uses whatever, but that doesn't mean God's giving them a pass, okay? I think that's one of the areas that we struggle with in understanding how God works. Number two, I want you to read this out loud. There are many diverse spiritual gifts with each having a different function. Now, I'm going to read two verses, and I'm actually going to be throwing, uh, pulling out three principles just on this verse. So when we go to the other points, don't think I forgot to change the scripture. There's three things in here I want to point out. The first is the diverse spiritual gifts, each having a different function. For just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So the first thing that he points out in this particular part is the diversity of the spiritual gifts, and they all have a different function. But notice the unity is around the body. So I'm not trying, if you look at the physical body, we don't try to make the hand the leg. We don't try to make the leg an arm. We understand that they all have various functions. Can I tell you something? I'm not trying to make you like me. I'm trying to make you like Jesus. I'm not trying to say, hey, let me, let me follow me and I'll make you like, no, no, no. I'm not the template. By the way, you aren't either. So part of this is discovering the activity of God in a person's life and trying to facilitate and disciple what that person needs to be and what they are like. It's understanding their unique giftings. It's understanding their unique functions. Now, here's where we sometimes get sideways because we, I'm gonna say something, some gifts have more visibility than other gifts, Okay? If you use the analogy of the body, there are parts of the body that have more visibility than others, but you cannot assign value based on whether it's visible or not. In American ideology, we'll do that. We'll say, well, they get more visibility in me. Translated, they got more, they're more important. I wanna be important too. So I want more platform time. I said, you got it all wrong. That's not how this works. Visibility doesn't equal value. It just means some gifts have more visibility. 
So let's look at, look at my physical body, okay? I have a hand. It's visible. Now, how many know I could lose my hand with right medical treatment? I could go on living, right? Now, but I have internal organs that you can't see. You can't see my kidneys. In fact, if you saw my kidneys, that's probably a bad day for me. <laughs> but you can't see my kidneys. So does that mean because they're not visible, they're not important? I would make the case, I can live without my hand, but I can't live without my kidneys. If you, if you start assigning value based on visibility or not visible, I mean, look, look, look at the physical body. Just because there's a lot of internal organs that aren't visible, does that mean they're expendable? No. Life would be over rather quickly without those. And that's my point. We have, in fact, I will make the case this. A lot of churches are built on people's giftings that don't get visible to a lot of people. I'll tell you the backbone of any church is people's giftings. And a lot of people don't know what they do, but they know what they're doing. Please tell me you got that. Otherwise, it just becomes, a, a, a church can become nothing but a big competition trying to get the public eye. We're all competing with one another. It can turn into America's Got Talent. <laughs> and you just go, it's an act. Because they're competing. They want to win. They want to beat the other guy. They want to get the vote. But nobody's being touched. So understand that we all have different functions. We all have different roles. It's not based on how much publicity I get out of the deal. It's based on, am I doing what he's created me to do? And am I having the impact with the giftings that are associated with my life? Yeah, sometimes those might put me in the public eye, and sometimes they don't. But that's not why we do what we do. When you do it only for a pub, the public eye, that just makes you a narcissist. Okay? That's no good. That doesn't touch anybody. You're playing to the public eye. You're doing what you do because you know that's where God has created you and has given you the impact. Number three, read it out loud with me. Spiritual gifts. Our spiritual giftings help us to represent the body of Christ. You jump down, he says, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. I want you to ponder this for a minute. Jesus has turned his visible manifestation on planet Earth over to you and me to represent his presence. You know, when I ponder that, I go, I think you could have done a lot better than me, Jesus. Having me represent you? Oh. See, it's not based on what people know about me. It's based on what Jesus knows about me. I think you could do a lot better. I think you probably should. He says, no. When you combine your efforts with other people who are followers and their efforts and together you represent my body. You know, Paul even takes it a step further in 1 Corinthians. He says, you're even the temple of the Holy Spirit. Whoa. 
God doesn't want to dwell in a building. He wants to dwell in your body. And I'm kind of like, oh, really? Me? Them? Us? We? Listen to me. When people don't know what Jesus looks like, they should look at you and I. I don't know about you, that makes me want to cry. When they can't find Jesus, they should be able to see him in us. Notice I'm saying us because it says that we are his body. You see, suddenly the convictions, the priorities, the morals, the values that I have in my head and my heart shift a little bit. Oh, so I'm really not it's not me. It's about him. Yeah. Can you say your life is reflecting him today? Am I, am I coordinating my life with the activity of God and other people? And am I are we, listen, are we representing him well? Like I, said, I, could, I back up and I go, oh God, you just got to have a plan B in here. We're plan A. He wants you and I to be the hands, the feet, the skin of Jesus. We're it. You see, sometimes we get into the weeds about what's this and can we this and I just want to represent him the best I can. That's a heavy mantle. Can anybody else feel that? That's a... That's a heavy mantle that he's put on us. Not a guilt trip. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I always look at it from that standpoint of he wants us to be a representation of his body. So he looks at a bunch of sinners and just says, I want you to represent me, but we're going to have to clean you up a little bit. And you know that's the statement that was made to you and I? While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He said, I see your ugly mess. You're right, you stink. But man, can I change you so that you can represent me. Wow, okay. I can always tell when it's time to move on. Number four, read it out loud. Spiritual gifts require... Require connectivity and accountability to others. Last verse. Each, I tell you what, can everybody read that last line with me? And each member, that was so pathetic and so weak. Because I think some of you read it and you think, well, if I don't read it, I can't be held responsible. Oh, yeah. I'm going to, don't make me camp on this one for 30 minutes. Okay, read it with me. And each member belongs to all the others. I'm an American. And I'm an independent contractor in my faith and in my freedom. Really? Well, let me look up the word American in the Bible. Yeah, can't find it. You know, sometimes we espouse values even as Americans that are not biblical. Each member belongs to all the others. There's this mentality, my faith, I don't need other people. I'm sorry, the Bible says that's not true what you just said. You don't, know, you don't need other people. 
That's not what it says. It's none of your business. That's not what it says. I hear you. That's not what it says. I guess you have to make a determination. American values or biblical values? Just because it's American doesn't make it right. Each member belongs to all the others. There's an accountability. The reason there's an accountability to others is this. Because I can have two things by including my life with your life and your life with mine. There's two things that I get out of the deal. Number one, I'm better when I coordinate my activity with God with you. I'm better. I have bigger impact. Number two, I'm safer. I'm safer. As an independent follower of Jesus doing my own thing, just me and God and the Bible and I don't need anybody else's input, I am vulnerable. Even with the goodest and the greatest of intentions, I am vulnerable. Because if you haven't discovered by now, you don't and I don't always have the best self-awareness. If you are married, you understand that. One of you has said to the other, baby, please don't do that again. Can I get a witness? Baby, I know, and my wife says I can quote her, so I'm safe here. I know you meant well, but that didn't go good. And for you and for me, don't ever do it again. No, she doesn't. Please, find another way. Don't do that. How many have ever had the spousal chit-chat talk? Wow, we, hey, we got a lot of perfect couples out here. You need to get a group and let them start teaching because they don't have any issues whatsoever. Yeah. See, I always go into the Genesis where it says that God says he was going to create a helpmate. And I always go, that tells you right there. See, if she was going to be a help, that means there was something he couldn't do, couldn't see or perceive. So obviously he had some deficiencies that said, hey, Adam, you need some help. (laughs) Okay, so if Adam needed help, you need help. Okay, we belong to all the others. So here's the thing. I'm not accountable because I'm forced to. I'm not accountable because I have to. I'm not accountable because, well, if I'm not, I can't be the pastor. No, I'm accountable because of the two things that I just said. I'm more effective by being accountable because I don't always have the perfect self-awareness. And the second thing is I'm safer. This allows people to have my back when I didn't know I needed somebody to have my back. But if I'm disconnected, I can't have those things. And so... We, as, an, as a solo act, you step into things that you would have never stepped into, and it's too late because you stepped in it. You never would have gone there if you had had some input going on in your life, but hey, you're an independent spiritual contractor. And there's things that come into your life, 
and you go, man, I just feels like I'm under attack. You are, you're easy, you're a target. Because you're a solo independent spiritual contractor. Just look at, just look at how the lions attack the herd. They're always trying to get the one to go the wrong direction. Then the attack starts. Till then it's staging. They're just trying to get one in the herd to go the wrong way. And then the attack starts. There's safety. Last one. Maybe. Because <laughs> I have one other thing to tell you after this, which is a part of this. So F number five, read it out loud. Spiritual gifts require action. Imagine that. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Isn't it amazing? It's telling you. Your gift is only as good as you use it. He's saying giftings require that you take action. It's not sitting back. Well, let's just, I've, I've had people say this, and I know they mean well, but they'll say, you know, oh, just, let's just let go and let God. I go, no, we need to, we need to grab on. to It's his activity, and I have to combine my activity with his activity. It's not that I sit back and I do nothing and he handles it all. No, I've got skin in the game. Jesus has got skin in the game. I have to engage. I have to, now here's the thing, I need to know what I'm doing. So here's the question that Sometimes gets posed to me. I put, I put something together to kind of help illustrate this. How does God take his activity and get it to people? I mean, I hear you talk about there's the spirit world. How does the spiritual world get into the practical world? I think it's a fair question. How does the spiritual world get into the physical world? The practical world that you and I live in. How does this happen? So here we go. I'm gonna give this to you. It's the last thing that I'll share today. It's called the gifts of the Spirit at work. So everything starts this way, a supernatural provision. How many believe that God has everything that we need? Sure, okay. So the question is, how does God get what I need from him? How does he get it to me? How does that happen? So here's the first thing, supernatural provision. It talks about one of the books of the Bible that Paul wrote. He says it is God who, to will and to act according to his purpose. That is such a key insight, to will and to act. He's, he's describing what we call a divine urge. So when God has supernatural provision, he prompts a person to say, I see that. Why isn't somebody doing something about that? Somebody needs to do something. But nobody sees it. You do. Or you say, I think I ought to step in. I think I ought to make a difference. I think I ought to volunteer. I think I ought to give. I think I ought to go help. It's that prompting. And you look around and you're like, what's wrong with everybody? Can't they see it? No, because God's prompting you, not them. 
So it starts off as a supernatural provision. I'm getting this urge, this will, this desire to act about something that I see. I see the solution. I see the problem. I see, I know what to do. And that's, listen to me, that's God talking to you. So you take what he gives you and you take that supernatural provision and you turn it into a physical provision. You go and you do something about it. You provide the resource, you help in, with, with talent, you help with by serving time. You give an ear to somebody who is, who is needing somebody to talk to. You, you are now taking the supernatural provision that God has who gave you the urge and now you're transferring it into the physical world. Let me tell you how God just real briefly gets the supernatural into the physical through you. Because you are a spirit being who has a physical body. You and I are the great transference of God's activity from heaven to earth. Please tell me you thought that was wow. You and I are spirit and physical. You and I are the bridge of God's activity from the spirit world to the physical world. Wow. So we take that and we take the physical provision and then we go take care of a physical need. We just don't take care of the physical need. We do an outstanding job with it because even Jesus in a sermon on the mount said that by your good deeds, that people will glorify your Father in heaven. We're not called to be adequate. We're called to be stellar. We're called to do excellent. And it's, you gotta remember, Jesus is preaching not to a bunch of preachers. He's preaching to a bunch of Jewish people who are under the oppression of the Roman Empire. And he says, if you want to make an impact in an oppressive society that Rome is ruling you with a, with a firm hand, be stellar. He says, if they ask you to go a mile, he says, I want you to go what? And I, there's other examples. If they, do, if they ask you for this, he says, also give them your coat. He's not talking to preachers. He's talking to average people. Don't just be adequate. Be stellar. He's saying you can impact even Rome by being stellar. So physical provision, we go meet a physical need. You do an outstanding job, somebody's gonna say, why do you care? Why are you here? What's in it for you? Oh, did your pastor put, this up to you, put you up to this? Oh, you, you, you're, you're trying to, oh, is, uh, you're, you're trying to, who are you trying to impress? Are you going for a raise? Are you trying to get a promotion? Why are you doing this? Nobody else cares, why do you care? Everybody else gave up on me, why didn't you give up on me? Nobody else helps me, why are you helping me? My friend, if you don't know where to take that conversation after that, we need to talk after service. Because then you can talk about the spiritual need. Because I'm doing for you what he did for me. For some of you, you can honestly say, I know what it is to be a loser. 
And I can tell you what it takes to turn it around and not be one anymore. I can tell you. Didn't get it from a book. Got it from life. That's why I'm here. I used to be you. My friend, that's moving from the physical need to the spiritual need. The gifts of the Spirit were never designed to make you famous. They were designed to take the activity of God in a different dimension to other people who will say, why are you doing this? Why do you care? What's different about you? And there's your opportunity. You see, that's what Paul says when he says, walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Oh, yeah. You're somebody's miracle if you'll get off the fence. And step in and go, you know what, God, I'm not sure about all this Holy Spirit stuff, but I'll take what I can get from you. Because if, if me getting off the fence will change somebody else's life, will bring hope, will give them the miracle that they're praying for, if you want to transform, if you want to transfer heaven's resources into my spirit and I'll transfer it through my body, I'll be glad to be the vessel. Sign me up. I'll tell you, be careful. Can I give you the warning? When it happens, it's addictive. You'll be saying, oh God, give me another one. Who's next? I'm telling you, man, being a part of somebody's life turning around is the most addictive thing that you can get involved in. And you're just like, please, Jesus, sign me up for another one. Please don't wait a month. Please, you'll look at life different and you'll look at people different. You don't walk into society looking at people like, man, they're just such takers. You go, God, I'd love to be a part of their transformation. a part of a change in that family. They're a mess. But I know that family can change and I'd love to be a part of that. Somehow God opened the door. So I give you fair warning. Getting off the fence will create a momentum that you won't be able to get away from. But man, is it fun. And those who have participated in that say Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning as we wrap it up. Would you do that? And I'm gonna ask you right now, would you just all lift your hands? I want you to ask this right now. Jesus, wherever I'm at on the spectrum of the Holy Spirit, increase it. Okay, increase it. I know where I'm at. I'm asking you to continue to take me on the journey into another dimension of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm shutting off my mic. I wanna pray the same thing for myself. Come on, everybody, lift your voice now.